Well, good afternoon, everyone. Um, like David said, it is good to be back. Uh, we missed you guys. Uh, again, yeah, a lot of us, good handful of us, were uh, out of town for Mount Hermon, which is a uh, week-long youth um, conference, uh, youth camp that's held up in Northern California. It's actually put on by uh, GEMS, the organization for the um, place that we meet at for downtown LA. Um, and so it was uh, an interesting week, to say the least, uh, dealing with COVID and things like that. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later uh, in the message. Uh, but yeah, all in all, it was a great week of camp, but uh, we did miss you guys, and it is good to be uh, back here with our church family today. And for me, also, um, really nice to be back in the pulpit. Um, you may or may not have noticed. It's been a while since I had the opportunity to preach. Um, mainly by design, uh, Pastor Chris has asked me over the past several months to um, just kind of focus on my main ministry, uh, uh, my main ministries here at this church. So uh, that's why I've been leading a lot more for worship um, doing, focusing on youth group and things like that. So um, hopefully that's been to your blessing, your edification. Um, we're still growing in those ministries, uh, but it's been a blessing to uh, be able to lead uh, through worship and uh, still kind of preach in that respect through the songs that we sing and being able to create new songs um, as well as gain some good momentum with the, the youth group and the youth kids. As I was um, praying over what to share about uh, the Lord kept bringing to mind uh, just how timely and how uh, convicting uh, the, the Philippian series has been. Uh, just how much that I've, I've really been challenged over the past several months as we've gone through that book. Um, I think our society today, and unfortunately it kind of bleeds into the church, is we are so quick to just kind of move on to the next thing. Uh, you know, the, new, the latest fad, the latest craze, things like that. Um, you see millennials and Gen Zers uh, moving from job to job. Um, I am shocked when I hear people my age and younger say that they've been in, at a job for, you know, more than a couple years because you just don't see that today. Uh, another one that uh, I think you kind of see all these fa uh, fads and trends and people moving from one thing to the next, the latest craze uh, is in regards to like food and diet, you know. Uh, Cynthia and I have... To come to that, we've jumped on the, the keto bandwagon, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, paleo is another one. Uh, you know, for a while, everybody was all about juicing and, and things like that. Uh, the food truck trend, and now like farm to table, organic, non-GMO, things like that. So yeah, again, uh, you, you see society uh, just going from one thing to the next. You know, um, what's the next big thing? What's the next big thing? And that's why, for me, I, I love our church's commitment to uh, taking our time to preach through God's word, to preach through whole books of the Bible, to go through a series, you know, even if it takes months or, or years, in fact, in some cases. Um, and so all that to say, as we've completed our Philippians uh, series, uh, buckle up, because Philippians 1.1, we're going to start right from the beginning and go through the whole thing again. Um, <laughs> Not quite, not quite. Um, I, uh, who's down for that? Anita's down for that? All right, that's what I'm talking about. Um, but seriously, um, 
I, I think it would um, be a disservice after having gone through a series like that to just quickly rush on to the next thing. And, uh, you know, I had a chance to listen to Mike's message uh, from last week on the uh, uh, podcast. And um, I just felt like it would be good for our church to kind of pause and to reflect and take a moment uh, to linger a bit on Philippians. Uh, we've spent a good amount of time on it. And uh, I hope that for you, like me, it has had a tremendous impact on my life and my sanctification and my growth um, over the past several months. And so um, hopefully this serves as a good reminder and encouragement to you um, because I'm going to share three kind of main themes and reflections from the book of um, Philippians as a whole that have really impacted me. And so, uh, you know, I was talking to Jessica after um, our morning service in downtown L.A. uh, about the sermon. And I was telling her, yeah, you know, like, I I think Pastor Chris always encourages us as elders to let the congregation into the struggle. And so I am not perfect by any means. Uh, And so this is kind of that time uh, to allow you guys to see I'm growing and I'm being sanctified just like you. I am not perfect by any means, and so um, God's word is speaking to me and changing and transforming my life as well. Uh, So with that, let's open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much just for um, God for this afternoon and uh, for this time to uh, just pause and take a moment to reflect back on our study on on Philippians. God, just to see um, how you have grown us through it, how you have challenged and transformed us, um, how you have uh, convicted us in different ways, God. And I pray, Lord, that, uh, yeah, that you would just really um, bless this time, Lord, as we, as we look back, that we would not be so quick to just want to move on to the next thing, but that we would linger for a moment to meditate on your word, to be reminded of the truth of your word and the gospel. And so bless this time, we pray in your name. Amen. So again, uh, a few reflections that I want to share that have directly impacted my life uh, over the course of this series of the past several months uh, and weeks even. Um, And again, hopefully they serve as a reminder um, of just God's word uh, and and how it um, shapes and transforms us and speaks into our life. So uh, there's three things that we're going to look at. Again, tons of different themes, tons of different uh, uh, topics that we could look at, that we did look at over the uh, course of the series. But again, these are three things that really impacted my life. And so hopefully they serve as an encouragement to you. The first one is love for the church. The second is humility. And the third is trials and God's glory. So love for the church, humility, and trials and God's glory. Um, so first, love for the church. Um, as I reflect back on the, our study on Philippians, I don't know if uh, this was new for you guys. It was totally new for me. I've studied Philippians a number of times. I'm sure any of you that have been believers for a while have read through Philippians multiple times. Uh, but something interesting that uh, Pastor Chris brought up is Paul's deep love and affection that he had for the church of Philippi. So I don't know if you recall that, uh, but he mentioned it multiple times throughout the series. Uh, Paul had this real fondness for the church at Philippi because it was a church that he uh, founded. You know, he planted, he nurtured and ministered to, pastored. 
And uh, if you look at the book, if you recall, you know, uh, a lot of it that doesn't include any harsh rebukes. Uh, it doesn't any re- record any egregious sins that needed to be addressed. Um, it was a lot of, you know, just love for that church. It was a lot of um, encouragement and thanksgiving for that church, which I thought was really cool. And in all the times that I was studying Philippians, uh, you know, that was never brought out to me. And so, uh, again, we'll be looking at various passages through the book of Philippians. Um, so the first one, Philippians 1, 7. Go ahead and turn there. Philippians 1, 7. It says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. It is right for me to feel this way. I hold you in my heart. In other verses, um, 112, 212, 31, 317, and 48, all those verses throughout the book of Philippians, Paul addresses the church of Philippi as brothers or beloved. Specifically, look at um, 41. Skip over to 41. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown stand firm. Thus in the Lord, my beloved. You could sense that that deep love that Paul had for the church at Philippi, you know, these familial terms that he uses, you know, brothers and, and things like that. He's they're close to him. And as we study this uh, and saw this in the book of Philippians, uh, I, I kind of realized and reflected back on the fact that at this point, Aside from the Fukunagas, uh, my family is one of the only families that were kind of there from the beginning. Um, you know, naturally, people come and go and, and things like that. But um, I just realized what a tremendous joy and privilege it is uh, to have been part of this church since its infancy and to really see how far the Lord has taken us and, and just to get excited about the fact that he is not nearly done, you know. And so, you know, even in our brief history as a church, uh, my love for this church is deep. It is not like any other church that I've been a part of. Um, This church has blessed me so much over the years, uh, given me so many different opportunities for ministry that I couldn't have ever even dreamed or imagined. And possibly if I was at another church, uh, you know, it may not have happened because there might have been other people that uh, would have been uh, capable or willing And so there's a reason that I do what I do for this church. It is because of my deep love for God and for this church that he's called me to. Let me ask you this. uh, You know, do you spend time with people that you don't love? Do you invest in, spend money on uh, things that you don't love or care about? It's kind of a no brainer, right? Obviously, no, like if, if we don't love it, if we're not um, passionate about it, then yeah, we're not going to give it the time. We spend our resources, our energy. We love the things that we are passionate about. And similarly, I have come uh, to love this church. As Paul says, you are my joy and my crown. 
And to be honest with you, it's really not that hard to love this church. Um, I mean, you guys are here, you know, you get it. You are pursuing the right things on a Sunday. You know, like David said, there's a dozen other churches that you could be at, go to attend worship at. There's dozens of other things that vie for our time that you possibly might rather do on a Sunday, but you are here at three o'clock in Cerritos here at Harvest Haven, worshiping the Lord, sitting under the teaching of God's word. You guys get it. You're pursuing the right things. And so know that because you are here, we as leadership are committed to you as well. We are for you and we want to see you grow and be transformed and to step into that love. You know, if you're not here, then, then yeah, you can't receive that love and encouragement that you need. If you're not here, then you can't give that love and encouragement that another brother or sister might need on that Sunday. We are committed to preaching God's word, to caring for you, for shepherding you. And so just continue to be here. You know, are are we perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, Are we ever going to be? Unfortunately, no. But by the spirit's power and the power of God's word, um, we can continue to grow and pursue Christ you know, to press on and labor side by side toward the upward call of Christ, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. I've seen uh, just love for this church and my deep gratitude for this church uh, play out in a couple different ways recently. You know, as uh, our family dealt with uh, the whole COVID thing, um, it was just a real blessing to receive text messages and, uh, you know, hear from people that they're praying for us, praying for a quick healing, uh, for my family. Um, you know, just sending meals and things like that, uh, dropping off care packages for Noel and, and sin as they were having to quarantine. Um, just so blessed by that. Uh, the other one, uh, you know, just, wanting to express my deep gratitude to to many of you uh, for your financial generosity while we kind of dealt with our van issues. Uh, For those that don't know, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, but um, we, our van, the transmission like went out and it was going to be like a $5,000 repair. And the van was like 14 years old and it had like over 200,000 miles on it. Um, It was just not worth it to put that money into it. And unfortunately, you know, things for us, finances are a little tighter right now. And so just as we shared that, um, you know, kind of having that, that need or or that desire to be able to have a a van to be able to utilize for ministry, um, you know, with camp coming up, things like that. uh, It was just a tremendous blessing to see uh, so many of you and you know who you are, uh, your generosity to, bless us uh, financially through that um, to help us uh, be able to get to the point where we could, um, you know, get a new van and the Lord was gracious to provide um, as many of you know. Yeah, we have a, a new van now um, that the transmission will hopefully not go out anytime soon. Um, and we see that as a gift from God. 
And so we don't see that as our van. That is the Lord's van. And so we are excited to use that for ministry, whether that's people needing rides, uh, you know, transporting equipment and stuff for uh, our ministry events, baptism services, things like that, uh, future youth retreats and, and family retreats. Um, so, you know, do you share that same love uh, for your brothers and sisters and for this church? How have you been blessed by City Bible Church? How are you seeking to... You have one? Yes, amen. All right. <clears throat> um, you know, how many of you are seeking to be a blessing to your brothers and sisters? To show love to them? And so all that to say, you know, I, I just wanted to take this moment to just express my gratitude to this church for letting me serve you guys, for letting me love you uh, as your elder, as your worship leader, uh, as your youth director, uh, as your discipler, shepherd, you know, brother and friend. I, I read through Philippians and I see Paul's affection for the church of Philippi and I know exactly how he felt because I feel the exact same way. And so when he says, you are my joy and my crown, I know what he means. And hopefully you feel the same way too. The second reflection that uh, stood out to me was uh, humility. Humility. Uh, the Apostle Paul of all people uh, had the right to be proud. And he was, in all honesty, he was right about the, uh, proud about the right things. But if you look at his overall life, and if you look through the book of Philippians again, uh, his life overall was marked by a tremendous amount of humility as he you know, looked to Christ as his ultimate example. Look at uh, 2, 3 through 8. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Again, Paul had every right, every reason to be proud and to boast. Yet look at his words in chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. Chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Uh, as I've been uh, put before God's word during our Philippians study, 
it has been a very humbling experience. I have seen uh, just how prideful I am. And I want to take this time to, to really share openly and honestly with you guys uh, to kind of let you into my heart and my mind. Uh, pride has always been a big struggle for me. I think uh, yeah, I, was, I was fortunate enough to uh, have a lot of like leadership opportunities growing up at my church. And uh, that just kind of progressed as I got older. And you can even fast forward today. I mean, again, I have this opportunity to preach before a congregation that I love. Uh, but if I were being honest, if I were to rewrite Philippians 3, 4 through 7, it would probably go something like this. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I accepted Christ at the age of six, was baptized by the age of nine, a model Sunday school student, a leader among my peers, missions trips to Mexicali, Costa Rica, and Ecuador, an elder by the age of 35, a song and hymn writer. And truth be told, I would uh, like to just stop there. And I often do. But because of this, you know, puffing up of myself, uh, this welling up of pride for all my accomplishments, I realize and sin has, uh, Cynthia has pointed this out, and so I take that from the Lord, uh, that it's really created um, just this idea of unrealistic expectations for the people around me. It causes me to not extend grace or mercy to those around me. My, my train of thought begins to be like, uh, hello, come on. Like, let's go get on my level, right? Like, really? Like, you're going to do it that way? Why, why aren't you doing it my way? What's wrong with you? Why can't you meet my standards? And so if I've ever made you feel that way, um, I, I genuinely apologize and ask for your forgiveness. Because the Spirit has been at work in my life to convict me of those feelings and those thoughts. And uh, God has definitely been humbling me over the past several months. I think a good example of this is the um, youth retreat. Um, I had a lot of pride going into the youth retreat. Um, you know, I was just like, okay, youth retreat. I've been on dozens of youth retreats before. Been to Big Bear dozens of times. Um, and, you know, people asked about, hey, you know, what about the drive? You know, road's really windy. Um, you know, concerns about, um, you know, staff being able to, to do that and whatnot. Um, even Cynthia was like, are you sure you want to take them camping? Like, I don't know if that's like the easiest or wisest thing. And I just shrugged it all off. And I had this attitude that, you know, hey, I've done this tons of times. I am the youth director. I call the shots. What I say goes. And well, yes, some of what we experienced uh, was probably spiritual warfare. But as I reflect back on, uh, on that weekend, uh, I do realize that a lot of it was the Lord disciplined me for the pride in my life and the lack of humility. 
So what happens? Many of you guys heard the story. Um, It takes me forever to get the truck loaded up and the van packed up. And so we get to church late. And finally, when we hit the road, we're halfway up the mountain. And then what happens? The van breaks down and the transmission blows out like I'd shared earlier. Pastor Chris said uh, in his uh, message on some of these passages that if you don't humble yourself, then God will humble you. And even more so, he will humiliate you. And that's what the Lord did. I thought I had it all under control. I was prideful and put my youth staff in a situation where they were not comfortable with or ready for. Proverbs 16.8 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And I felt hard that weekend. God humbled me. He put me in my place and exposed my sin. I think the other big area that God is humbling me is really just in ministry in general as a whole. Um, It's been just over a year since this church stepped out in faith and uh, hired me uh, as a paid uh, elder, as a paid staffer. And when that happened, uh, you know what my heart and my mind were thinking and saying? Yes. Finally. I have arrived. (laughs) All of my hard work, all of the hours spent setting up and tearing down and leading worship and leading this and leading that and going to this, all has culminated in this moment. I am now a paid staffer. But in all honesty, uh, this past year has been the most difficult year of ministry that I've ever had paid or unpaid. I'm dealing with COVID and having to have service out outdoors, the challenges and stress of, uh, you know, setting up and tearing down every week, technology failing, you know, this live stream isn't working. The Wi-Fi is out. uh, It's not strong enough. Like, how can we fix this? People can't tune in. Bearing the burdens of, of you, the congregation, having to counsel and walk alongside a married couple going through a separation and seeing potential disunity uh, within our church leadership because of that. Seeing people stop coming to church, hearing about different sins that people are struggling with. And in my pride, I take on this, this savior complex where where everything depends on me, you know, where I'm the guy where success or failure, the church rises and falls with me and what I do. And the spirit of self-righteousness, you know, wells up inside of me and then gets projected onto those around me. And God has humbled me and reminded me that, no, you are expendable, Garen. I do not need you. You are not perfect. I can use somebody else who is humble and willing and obedient. You are not sovereign. I am. 
You are not in control. I am. You do not have the power. I do. You are not the author and perfecter of their faith. I am. And so I realized I need to get my eyes off of myself and onto Christ like Paul did. I need to look at his example and consider all my accomplishments, all my resume, all my accolades as rubbish, dung, excrement. Sure, I got saved at a young age, got baptized at a young age, went on some missions trips, preached here and there, wrote a few songs. But Philippians 3, 7 and following. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. I need to look to the interest of others. Consider you better than myself. When I want to get frustrated that things aren't going my way and things aren't meeting my standards, I need to remember that God's grace and mercy has been extended to me time after time, repeat offense after repeat offense. And if that's the case, then I can turn around and extend that same grace and mercy to those around me. Pastor Chris says that humility is a choice. It's not a prayer request. And so beloved, let's consider others better than ourselves. Let's look to each other's interests over our own. Let's consider all things as trash in comparison to Christ. Let's get our eyes off of ourselves and onto Jesus as our example. The last reflection from Philippians that has uh, hit close to home over the past uh, few weeks is trials in God's glory. Trials in God's glory. Let's look at um, 1, 12, and 13. Philippians 1, 12, and 13. It says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Skip down to 120. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be, uh, not at all be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And lastly, 27 to 30. Chapter 1, 27 to 30. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This being a prison epistle, Paul is no stranger to hardship. We know his life, you know, beaten, uh, shipwrecked, all those things. 
He knew what the first century church was facing. God knows what we face in this fallen world where trials and suffering and hardship are all too easy to come by, especially for us as believers. Pastor Chris noted multiple times throughout his series that nobody comes out unscathed. That it is just a matter of, is it your, your turn? Is it your season of suffering? I mentioned uh, youth retreat earlier. And while that was an extremely humbling experience, uh, we, you know, obviously no doubt experienced uh, a lot of trials and hardships on the way up, but God was still really faithful to, um, to work and move and do amazing things in the lives of the students that weekend that I'm grateful for. Because the truth is, wherever there's trials, wherever there's hardship and suffering, and God works and moves, that allows him to be the one that gets all the glory and not anything of ourselves. So as, as difficult as it was, and you know, with the uh, car issues, God in his grace and sovereignty, uh, you know, was watching over that. And so he knew to have Lorraine be going up that same weekend to, you know, um, rent a cabin there, spend some time with Ethan and her mom, that allowed her to, you know, transport some of the boys to retreat and uh, coming back home. Uh, you know, she brought some of the students back home since we had lost, uh, you know, one van. It was crazy to see that once we finally got there, got everything set up, how smoothly it went. And after all that, you know, the gospel was preached. The, the youth connected with the Lord and with each other. We had Cor, Felix, and Vincent commit to getting baptized uh, after that experience. Was that because of, you know, Kevin's amazing messages? No offense, but no. <laughs> Was it because of my amazing leadership and oversight? Oh, obviously we know that's not the case. <laughs> it was solely a work of the Spirit through those things. And ultimately, he gets all the glory. I had mentioned uh, Mount Hermon earlier also. It's another example that I've seen this play out recently. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not sure how many of you heard, uh, but the weeks leading up to Mount Hermon and the week of Mount Hermon even uh, were just filled with a lot of, of trials and hardship. Uh, Cynthia, who co-directs uh, with me, you know, honestly, it's really her show. I mean, I'm just kind of the guy behind the guy. Uh, she does all the logistical planning, you know, uh, all the scheduling, things like that. Um, obviously, you know her gifting and administration. But, you know, yeah, she uh, tested positive for COVID and was not able to take care of a lot of the things that she would normally would take care of. And on top of that, obviously, she wasn't able to come up for the full week of camp. Um, a few days after that, we found out that David uh, unfortunately tested positive. Um, and then after that, we found out that Kevin uh, tested positive. So David was supposed to be a cabin leader like he shared in the community prayer. Kevin was supposed to be our morning speaker. He's supposed to speak five times. Um, and we were leaving on a Friday morning at 9 o'clock. And at 8.30 in the morning, I get a, a phone call from one of our other staffers. And he tells me he just tested positive for COVID. And so that put him out. 
one thing after the other, canceled flights, uh, people not being able to be there for training, um, other people having to step up. It got to the point, you know, even um, once we started camp, a couple days in, we got some phone calls from parents back at home saying they tested positive, so we had to isolate some students. They didn't get to participate in the program as fully as we would have liked to. Um, we had to test them every day. We had to shuffle cabins and cabin leaders around. Um, again, yeah, a couple of our other staffers had to give messages. We had other staff cover things that Cynthia would normally take care of. And so uh, how many of you guys have heard of uh, Murphy's Law before? I mean, that was pretty much, you, you look up Murphy's Law and you saw Mount Hermon Junior High Camp 2022 right next to it. Everything that could go wrong pretty much went wrong. We had car trouble going up, a guy's battery died. Uh, it just one thing after the other. And so you had all these people coming up to me, other directors from the other camps, other staffers from the other camps, like, oh my gosh, Gary, I heard what happened. Like, are you okay? Like, how can we help you? And I was like, oh no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then I'd go cry in a corner by myself, you know? Um, it was just crazy. Like, we never experienced anything like that in all the, what, 18 years or so that I've been helping out at Mount Hermon. But really in the midst of, of those trials and hardships, you want to know what I told them? I told them that I have peace. That I still have joy. That I can still rejoice in the midst of all this chaos, all these trials and hardships. You want to know why? I told them because just a few weeks before camp, what do we study in service? Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Turn with me there. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I could rejoice in the midst of all of it because the Lord was at hand. God was sovereign. I didn't have to be anxious about any of that stuff. I didn't dwell on everything that went wrong, but instead I thought about how good God was, how faithful God was, how God was sovereign over all things. And that he was going to make a way. And that no matter what happened, the gospel was going to be preached. That God had a plan and a reason and a purpose. And that he could work mightily through that. And so what happened? Tuesday, just a couple days after camp started, uh, Sin and Kor were able to come up. Then David and Kevin and our other cabin leader uh, were able to come up the next day. And they came at just the right time, you know, when our staff was in need of that boost. Um, I was sharing with uh, uh, the downtown LA service that um, I shared with my staff that it totally felt like endgame, where, you know, they were like, 
losing the Thanos and it just felt like so drained and defeated. And then all of a sudden you hear on your left, you know, and all these other staffers like from everywhere just come and like give us that boost. And we're like, all right, let's go. Let's take on the second half of the week. Uh, it was a beautiful thing, and, and you know, to see Cor uh, be able to jump in with her cabin, uh, they instantly embraced her, and they got along really well, um, got a chance to take care of a scorpion in their cabin, um, so that's another story. Kevin got to preach his last few messages and did an amazing job. God's word, and specifically this passage from our Philippians series, was so timely for me in that moment. God knew I would need that at the forefront of my mind to minister to me in the midst of all that. So I could press on and persevere. And just like the gospel was advanced through Paul's trials and suffering, so too was the gospel proclaimed in the midst of the trials that we had leading up to and during camp. And so again, was it because of my great leadership? Absolutely not. Was it because of Kevin's great messages? No. God used them, but we ultimately know that it was all God's work and his hand through us. And so he's the one that gets all the praise and glory. So how is God's word being applied to your life regularly? Do you see God's word as living and active? Like we were able to see at Mount Hermon. Is it hidden in your heart so that you can draw on it and meditate on it? So it can minister to you as you encounter various things in life, as you encounter trials and hardships in life so that you can endure and persevere and so that God can be glorified through it. It was true for Paul's life and all that he endured. I've seen it be true in my life over the past several weeks and months through our Philippian study. And I hope you have too. As we close today, um, I actually want to give you some time to kind of reflect back on our Philippians study. Um, Just some time between you and the Lord, maybe skim through the book again. Think back over the past few months or weeks uh, and how your life has gone, how maybe passages from this book have ministered to you. Um, To see that this letter from Paul to the church of Philippi, though it was written years ago, is still relevant today for you and I and us here at City Bible Church. Because God's word is living and active. It's breathed out to us. Maybe you might pray Paul's prayer over yourself or our church or other people in your life. Maybe you can, uh, in this time, ask the Lord who he's calling you to support and give to, um, like we heard last week from Mike's sermon, in terms of uh, encouraging missionaries and supporting them. Maybe there's a sin issue uh, that is addressed um, here in this book that God is revealing and convicting you of that you need to repent of or ask for forgiveness for. So I'll ask um, the worship team to come up or or Nate to come up and just play for a bit. And uh, again, this time is between you and the Lord. Uh, So just take some time, right? We don't want to be so quick to move on to the next thing, but we want to linger and pause and take a moment to reflect back at what the Lord has done through this Philippian series and see how his word is living and active in our lives. So um, yeah, this time is yours and then I'll come up and, and close this in a few minutes.
Heavenly Father, Lord, um, God, we thank you so much for uh, just our recent series in Philippians. Just how powerful and transforming your word is. God, I pray that uh, you would just really seal the work that you've done through this series um, in our lives and in the life of our church, God. Pray, Lord, that we wouldn't be so quick to just move on to the next thing and forget everything that we've learned, but that we would really take time to pause and reflect and meditate on your word and, and how it's shaping and transforming us. So God, continue, uh, even as we go from this place later today and and throughout this upcoming week, Lord, uh, to be reminding us of the truths from your word in Philippians. God, I pray that we would um, just have a love for the church that you've called us to. God, that we would be humble before you and uh, before one another. And God, that we we would see trials um, through the lens that um, you can work and move and glorify yourself through it, Lord. God, there are so many other things uh, from this book. And so um, wherever you have us, God, just uh, minister as you see fit. Speak to us as you see fit, Lord. But again, just seal this work, we pray in your name. Amen. This time we'll transition into receiving the Lord's Supper. So have Norm come up. If I could uh, have you do two things for me, please. If you could turn to Luke chapter 22, and we're going to do this thing a little different than our normal um, communion time. So as we approach um, the Lord's table, the second thing I'm going to ask you to do is to get up and grab your elements and take it back to your seat, and then we'll take it together. So we'll take just a few moments to feel free to grab your elements and bring it to your seat. Thank you. Okay, as we're um, approaching the Lord's table, I wanted to come at this from a different angle. Um, In contents, in uh, Luke chapter 22, the verses 7 through 13, Jesus instructs Paul and John to prepare the Passover lamb and finding an an upper room similar to what we're at here. And they call that, in the Jewish tradition, they call it a Passover Seder dinner. And uh, what that is, it's an actual ritual feast at the beginning of the Passover. Um, They have some meal elements, uh, which are very beautifully symbolic. And uh, it's basically a story of redemption. Uh, rabbis or teachers would basically teach and explain all the different elements. So I'm going to share with you just five of the elements as if we're sitting there with Jesus and just watch what Jesus does. One of the first elements is an unleavened bread, matzah. And what that is, it's a, a reminder of the affliction that the Egyptians um, gave on to the Israelites. And matzah, the reason why it's unleavened is because um, the, the Israelites were haste. They had to leave town quickly, so they didn't have time for the bread to rise or to puff up. So it was a reminder of that type. The second element is the uh, bitter herbs. And uh, that bitterness 
It's sort of like horseradish or vinegar. Uh, was a reminder of the bitterness of slavery, hard slavery, burdened slavery that they endured, their ancestors endured um, from the Egyptians. The third element is salt water, and salt water represented tears uh, under the Egyptian oppressions. And typically they'd grab greens, which are like celery and salads type, and greens represent life, and they would dip it into the salt uh, water representing the tears. It's very symbolic. The fourth item are four cups. The first cup is the cup of sanctification. The second cup is the cup of plagues. The third cup is the cup of redemption. And the last cup is the cup of Hallel, which is the cup of praise. And then finally, of course, is the lamb. The lamb, of course, was sacrificed and the blood was drained. You know the story. They took the, they took the blood and they put it onto the, the doorposts so that God's judgment would pass over um, the households of those that are, believe, that are believes. And that what they would do with that lamb, they would basically um, have that for the main course. So the rabbis typically share this before, as they celebrate Passover. And I'm sure the disciples were expecting the same thing, as to go back and revisit how it was on, on a celebration of leaving Egypt. Look what he says in verse 17. And Jesus took a cup and he gave thanks to He said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave it thanks. He broke it, gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus shifted the focus off of um, the uh, the oppression that, that was on them in Egypt, and is talking about the ultimate sacrifice himself. And even John the Baptist affirms this in First John when he sees Jesus when he's baptized. He says, "Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world." So when we look at our unleavened bread, our matzah. Leaven, of course, is added to puff up. In the Bible, leaven or yeast symbolizes sin. Sin causes us to be puffed up, doesn't it? In addition to that, when you look at it, you can see there's stripes and piercing, beaten down. And this is a reminder. The Lamb of God This is my body. So allow us to partake of his body together. The second element, of course, is the cup. The cup symbolizes judgment. Scripture actually tells us in Isaiah 51, 17, says the cup of his wrath. 
Psalm also, also tells us, for in the hand of the Lord there is a cup. And the second part says, all the, all the wicked of the earth drained and drink down. Spurgeon tells us this, it says, all hell, all hell was distilled into this cup. That cup that Jesus raised was the third cup. The cup of redemption. We are we are redeemed because Jesus took on behalf of all of us all the wrath, all hell distilled in a cup for you and for me. His blood was shed to cover us, to forgive us. And that's a celebration. So allow us to partake of the cup. And Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for what your son has done. As a reminder, Father, what, your, what Jesus endured for us, took initiative for us, bearing the cross for us, uh, taking all of your wrath for us. We are redeemed. We are stamped. We are branded. We are tattooed. Whatever you want. We are yours. This is not our life. And as Garen was sharing earlier, uh, and Paul mentions this, that uh, to live is Christ. This is not our life to live for, for ourselves and our own selfishness. This is a life that we could live through and for you, God, because you have redeemed us. Let the redeem of the Lord say so, say so. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.